Shiga Masaya. I'm trying to get started here. Got some trashy stuff starting on there. Get that thing to come up right. Uh, if you were here Wednesday night, uh, something kind of bled out of me. Uh, a couple of verses in Romans chapter 12. And uh, all week more has been coming. And uh, I don't know if you know this or have been around here long enough, but when I get on to something by the Holy Ghost, uh, all of a sudden we're, we're like a pack of uh, cowboys in the West. We just get the wagons to begin to circle, and we just have camp for a while. We talk about that particular scripture or that vein of the Holy Ghost or what the Father wants to relate to the church. And uh, so this, this came to me, uh, this revelation and this message, it, it came to me early in the morning when I woke up. And just a scripture came to me. I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't even searching for it. I got up, up out of a dead sleep. And then the, these words began to get in my spirit. And uh, it was life. And that life got in me. And I'm telling you, when the life of God gets in you, all of a sudden everything that you are starts to talk about what the Lord is talking about. You, you just, you, you kind of go a little crazy. You get a little overboard. You want to come out the boat. You want to launch out into the deep. You know what I mean? You, you just, it's just, it's just something that's, you're charged with the power of the Holy Ghost through his word. And so I'm going to read these two scriptures in a couple of different uh, translations just so we can all see and know uh, what the context is. And then I'm going to break it down for us this morning and you will not leave here the same. You, the Lord showed me something beautiful in these two verses. Who's ready to embrace something? Just, just something beautiful. And what's beautiful to the Lord is powerful, and what's beautiful is holy. So we, could we put the first scriptures up there in that first translation? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, that's us, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy, well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Next verse. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as... Next, is there another part of that? There's something missing there. And... Oh, yeah, as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove, everybody say prove, for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Now, let's do it again in another translation, and we're going to read the same fullness of those scriptures. This is the NLT. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. I mean, he gave to us. 
So he wants all of us. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Let's do another translation. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, working around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it. That's why the world's culture is not allowed in here, in the preaching. It can come in here, but it's not going to conform it, us. We're going to transform it without even, listen, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. One more scripture, and this is the New King James Version. I beseech you, or I beg you, or I uh, plead with you, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God in the goodness of what he's already done for us, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. It's really not as a living sacrifice. It is a living sacrifice. Every sacrifice that was made on the altar in the Old Testament, according to the ways of the Lord, never left. <laughs> it didn't come off the altar. It was killed. It was slaughtered. It was offered up to God. There were only two living sacrifices in the Bible uh, that we read about, and Isaac was one of them. He went to do what the will of the Lord was, and he walked away alive. And Jesus, the same way, he came to do the will of the Father, and he was killed, he was crucified, he was buried, but he got up, and he's with us now. He's alive. So that's two living sacrifices. And someone said, I heard years ago, that the worst thing about a living sacrifice is that they always want to get off the altar. Well, they tie these sacrifices down. Or they, they kill the sacrifice before they put it on the altar. So they couldn't leave. So God wants us to be a living sacrifice. And this is the way you become a living sacrifice. You present your bodies. Now, this is going to be a little different to you because we're going to talk about our whole makeup, not only our mind. In our realm of, uh, of teaching and the churches we're associated with, it has a lot to do with mind. And we're going to talk about that because the scripture talks about you need to, be, you need to renew your mind. 
But we need to be a living sacrifice. That's everything that we are, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your love service or your worship to God. And do not be conned. When I read that, that's what I got. Don't be conned. Don't be conformed. Don't be conned by this world. Don't, do not be conformed to this world. Now that word world is cosmos. And Jesus gave his life and he loved the world. You understand? He was in the world, not of the world. I'm involved with the world. I'm connected to things in the world. Uh, I love the world, so to speak, like Jesus, but I don't belong to the world. I do not belong to the world. We don't mesh. We don't connect. Uh, it's darkness and light, but I'm in the world, so I have to deal with the world. But I've come to reach the world. You know, I've said this not long ago. You know, Christians sing this song, you know, uh, Jesus before me and the world behind me. Well, that's good for a little while, but how about Jesus, you get with the Lord and now the world's before you, let's take it and not be conformed by it. And so listen to this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and we're going to talk about that, that you may prove. Now that word has some uh, power in it, and, but we have to understand it. Understand it, and I will break that down, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, when I woke up the other morning, I saw this print like I'm looking at it on the wall, that you may prove what is, that you may prove, that just came to me, that you may prove what is. And the what is is the truth of God. The what is is what not every eye and every ear and every heart has understood yet what has already been prepared. So we need to find out what the what is is. The what is is the mind of the Father. The what is is the will of God. And it goes on to say to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I do not see the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God as levels of Christianity. I don't see it like that. And it's not, not how it is. Well, how you doing? I'm doing good. Well, how you doing? Well, I'm at an acceptable level. Well, how are you? I'm at the perfect will of God. I really don't see it like that. That's qualities of God. That's the qualities of God. Good. Acceptable and perfect. That's who he is. And so this is not some levels we go into. This is some qualities that we have to attain and embrace. Are y'all here? So this, when that word came to me uh, to prove that which is good. And then, y'all need to hear this story because it's going to tie into everything I'm saying today and the teaching. Uh, for eight years, I've allowed my wife, and I've even put myself in the same thing. Uh, we had a bad hot water heater, and we had this tankless hot water heater. And when you turn it on, it's 120-something 
thousand BTUs. It's fire. It's blue fire. When you turn it on, it's like, and you have instant hot water. It comes right to you. And it's, it's hot water on demand. But something was wrong with our electronic ignition. It doesn't need, I don't even plug this unit in. It's an electronic ignition. And so for eight years, and we, we like, we, we decked out our bathroom. It, it's fine. So we put this, this new unit, the greatest and the latest, and a friend kind of gave it to me. But it never worked. It, it never worked. So we would get up every morning, and uh, we'd turn the hot water on, and if you didn't hear the heater go, you didn't have hot water. And so something has been wrong with the hot water heater for eight years. I can't believe we even put up with this. But this is how Christians put up with things in the world. We just, we just adapt to it. And so for eight years, I probably bathed in, in a cold water shower over the eight years more than I took a shower with hot water. Now, why would I do that? Why would I put myself through that? I, I didn't want to spend the $2,000 to fix it. That's why I didn't do it. It was going to cost me something. And I'm just hoping one day it's going to change. I'm just, I tried to change different little pieces and parts of the system. I did everything on, on you and we We did everything, just hoping that it would change. And I uh, put my wife through this. And so I actually got my wife conformed to this system. I put her through this. So she'd get up in the morning and she'd turn the shower on. And if it didn't go, then you have to turn it off and you have to wait 15 minutes. And then you go turn it back on. And if it don't go, you have to turn it off again, wait another 15 minutes. And then, you know, you turn it back on. Oh, it's on. We'd say, it's on. Yes. 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 So Sue would take a shower and she said, come on, you take your shower now because you never know when you have hot water. And so we did this for eight years. She'd get up early. I got hot water. Come bathe. I got hot water. I'm not turning it off. So our water bill is sky high. We're paying over $100 for water just to keep it hot. And so every morning, Susan would get up, take a shower. We got hot water. Come get hot water. I don't want to get up now. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, Susan. I don't want to get up. It's hot. You got to come now. So now I got to get up early to go get hot water. We did this for eight years. Can you believe that? And then one day, we fixed it. We paid the price. We got a new unit. And still to this day, Susan gets up early. She turns on the hot water. The hot water comes on. And then she runs in the room. I'm sleeping. Get up. The water's hot. The water's hot. I said, Sue, I know it's hot. It's working. So I come in there, I said, Sue, it's okay, it works now. Get up the next morning, early, come, come get the water, it's hot. Come get it, Sue, Sue, Sue. It's fixed. Y'all see how she's come, she's conformed to the way, adapted to 
the way you think it is and it will never change again. So finally I had to just go in there, turn the water off and say, Sue, watch this. Turn it right back on. It's hot. Y'all with me on this? Y'all with me on this? And so this is what the world does to us. It holds us to, wait to the way it was in our past life. And the Bible says we are not to be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this whole scripture is all about uh, really coming out of Egypt. It's all about leaving uh, childish ways. You know, Paul said, you know, when I was young, I spoke as I was young, I understood as, as a child, and I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So this whole scripture is about growing up and how to grow up specifically. How does this thing work with the spirit and, and the word? So either we are going to uh, conform to the world and become its image and stay in its image, or either we're going to be transed one says conform, the other one says trans. That means to move, tran, transit, transportation. It means to move from where you are to where the Lord wants us to be. And so we cannot allow the norm, the ordinary, the natural, the culture, our past, keep us in a place. In this place, we have to be transformed. So you're either going to move into the image of the culture or you're going to move into the image of Christ. It's just you have to move. It's, it's talking about moving from a, maybe a carnal Christian to a mature Christian or immature Christian to a, a mature Christian or from a child or a, a young uh, person in the Lord to a son or a daughter in God that is led by the Spirit and understands the Father. That's what this thing is all about. So the first thing we need to know is what is. Because if you don't know what is, you will never be transformed. You have to have the what is is the mind of the Father. The what is is the mind of Christ. The what is is the Scriptures. The what is is what the Spirit of God wants you to become or how the Spirit of God is leading you. We need to know the what is. And you won't find the what is in the world. You won't find it in the natural. It's going to come through the Word by the Spirit. And so the what is is the will of God. Y'all with me? So let's put that scripture up. And uh, I want to look at one word that we really need to talk about. And the word is prove. I beseech you and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove you. So we have to do something. It's, it's not all in a sovereign God's hands. We have to have something from the Lord and then we have to do something uh, with it. I, I know over my uh, life as a Christian, I've learned, this is what I've learned. And I'm telling you, I, I'm just putting the pieces and parts together, you know, just growing up and maturing in the Lord. It, it's come to me that the acts of my obedience has changed something internally inside of me. 
your acts of obedience to what is will actually purge you from who you were. You have to be a doer of the word. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, we can get in church and in church like this and our whole lives all, all of a sudden become reading the word, studying the word, seeking things in the word, digging for treasures in the word, and that's all good. I'm not making that anything little. But the point of all of this is to live a godly life. If, if it doesn't ever connect with a godly life, and in every realm of our life, and this is progressive, this, this doesn't happen overnight. It has to develop into a godly, righteous lifestyle or we're missing it somewhere. You understand? And, and I run into a lot of people in church. They, they like this atmosphere because it's safe here. And uh, it's encouraging. It's hopeful. It's, uh, it, it brings some enlightenment. <laughs> you know, you don't have people cussing you out and keying your car and sucker punching you, you know, and cussing you out. It, it, it's just really good here. And if, if we don't preach the real gospel, we will have atheists sitting in our service and they'll feel good and comfortable too, but never change. Wow. And so what we need to do is preach the word of God by the spirit. And so my point is, we have to not only hear this word, we have to have, you know, the big, big uh, cliche phrase going around in church today is you need to do Acts of kindness. Well, that, that's good. I think we should do that. But how about acts of obedience? Because out of the acts of obedience, there are going to be acts of kindness. There are going to be acts of the supernatural. There are going to be acts of prayer with power that we see people's lives change. How about the acts of obedience? The acts of obedience will purge us because we will see that the Word of God works. The Bible says, commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, and then it'll come to pass. Commit your ways. That sounds like presenting your bodies as a sacrifice. Commit yourself to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, this may kind of wreck your little theology a little bit, but when I was in the world, I was in the world. And my conduct determined how deep in darkness I would get. If I connected with the wrong people and the wrong things, I could end up in deep, deep darkness in the world. Y'all see that? That your, con your, your conduct brings your mind. And I know we're always talking about your mind will change your conduct. Don't lose that. That's good. But I'm telling you, your conduct in darkness will have your mind, will, and emotions and your soul in it. And the, long, the longer you ride in that place, the greater the wage of sin you'll have to pay. Now, on the other end, if we're living godly, you understand the blessings of God are going to follow us. So I really believe, and I have some scriptures, right? Commit your ways. Commit your ways, commit your ways, commit your ways, commit your ways, commit your life, commit your body, commit your mind, commit your whole self to the Lord. And just like people, you come to this church, you feel better. Is there anybody that comes to this church and they don't feel better? I know there's people here, it's too long, it's too loud, 
What's another L? <laughs> I don't, you don't have to do that. <laughs> but it's what you need. And your flesh hates it. Your flesh hates it. <laughs> there ain't no lovey-dovey here. I ain't a lovey-dovey person. <laughs> we, just, we just finished our Bible school. And uh, I just, I told a couple of people that were in the Bible school, I said, go ahead and tell these students how easy I was this year. I didn't even like myself because I was so easy. I actually had a lady, no, no drinking, no coffee, no food in the classroom. I had a lady walk up to me with two cups of coffee and say, here you go, Pastor. She gave me a cup. And she had a cup, open cup. It's no, it's everybody been told you can't do that. <laughs> There's things you got to fight for. You got to keep order. You just can't submit to anything. And man, she came up to me. She came up to me with that open cup of coffee. And it was so, it was like, oh my God, I'm going to break all my own rules. I grabbed that cup of coffee and I just started. I was conformed. And my whole point was our Bible schools in the past, they were, they were like, you know, we, I didn't play. I mean, I locked a door if you were late. You were not coming in. I didn't do it this year. Homework had to be on time. And, and we just didn't play. And I'd ask somebody a question. I demanded an answer from them. And that's just what, what happens in those type of meetings. And so then Chris said, can we go back to the militaristic way you used to do things? Militaristic. Anyway, and I, you know, it's got to be compounded and with love, but we need, we, we just can't let all the restraints go on everything. This, we should be required. We're commissioned by the Lord. And so we're really soldiers of Christ, and we're soldiers of the cross, and soldiers of life, and we need to get our acts together. Are y'all here? Okay, the mind. When I started thinking about the mind, this is what I thought about. And scripturally, from the Greek word mind, it means the way of thinking. Now, we got, all, we got that. It has to do with your intellect. It has to do with your emotional core. It has to do with your, your values in your life. It has to do with your culture. It has to do with your tradition. It has to do with your desires and your hopes and your fears and your attitudes and your motive. It's what occupies your whole being. And sometimes we are just in this mode. If we can just say it, if, if we can just get it in our mind, it will work. No, your mind is, is all of who you are. Y'all got that? It's so multifaceted that just quoting something won't do it. We are so deeply implanted in a lot of our past and our culture and the world that there needs to be a real breakthrough and a break away from what has held us down, basically. The Bible, it says to renew. When, when Israel came out of Egypt, they left Egypt, a type of the world. And I think God just showed them what he could do. Not one was feeble amongst them. He did that. They had nothing to do with that. They didn't pray. <laughs> you know what I mean? They didn't make the sign of the cross. 
they all came out. They just did what the Lord told them to do. Obedience. They put that blood over that doorpost. And the Lord said, you better stay behind it. If you don't stay behind that blood, it's not going to be good. So their obedience brought them to a place of crossing the Red Sea and coming into the fullness of God's power. But when they left Egypt, we know this, they left Egypt, but there was a lot of Egypt inside of them. Even though the power and the signs and the wonders were in the desert, they still complained. And so the Lord showed me a long time ago, God's power, his signs, wonders, miracles, and healing, it doesn't keep anybody. It just gets them to start with God. But it's going to be the word of God by his spirit. And so we have to get all of the Egypt out of us. And believe me, that's the growing up. That's what this scripture is all about. Moving from one place to a completely different place in our being. Y'all still here with me? Uh, as Christians, we can all get stuck in areas. You get stuck in anger. You get stuck in lust. You can get stuck in unforgiveness. You can get stuck in being chinchy and tight. You can be stuck on yourself. You can be stuck in selfishness. As a Christian, we, what'd you say? Chinchy, tight, not a giver. Stingy, chinchy, stingy. What did I say? What did I say? You said chinchi. Chinchi. That's good enough. Go to Romans 128. Tight. Not a giver. All you think about is yourself. Holding on to everything so tight. Romans 128, 29. I don't know if y'all know this, but the Romans in the first chapter... And then the Romans in chapter 12, it's the same people. But something's happening. Something, somebody's being transformed. Some, the light's coming on. And so if we could read Romans 28 and 29, it goes like this. Romans 1, verse 28 and 29. I'm sorry. Y'all throwing me off. Chinchy, 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 chinchy. <laughs> Stingy, 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 stingy. And even as they did not like to retain or practice God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things were not, which were not fitting. They never came out of their past. They never got a hold of this idea of being uh, transformed at this point. They, they don't have it yet. And so they're left to themselves. They're left to a debased mind. They're left to their own thinking. They're limited by their own thoughts and their own ways and their own experience. And so it was not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness and sexual immorality. So my, my point is, is that we can connect thoughts or your inner person. Everybody put your hands on your mind. That's your brain. 
your, your mind's right here. <laughs> the core, the core of who you are, the seat of your being. It has a lot to do with a lot of things. It's just not information, it's culture, it's, it's experience, it's what you've been through, it's what you dream, it's what you fear, it's what happened, it's all in here. And the Lord wants us to change eternally. And I believe with all of my heart, the acts of obedience will begin to work for us and change us internally. We cannot change ourselves etern in, on the inside. We can't do it, but we try, quoting Scripture, reading Scripture. It takes the Holy Ghost to change us internally. I'm telling you, a church can come, become just a religious uh, place of just quoting knowledge and having intelligence and quoting Scriptures. We cannot change ourselves until we recognize the truth and begin to practice it. And some kind of way, God starts to process on the inside of it. We can't do it ourselves. I'm going to prove this to you. They started to do what wasn't fitting. If we start to do what is fitting or pleasing to God, or acts of obedience, something starts to happen on the inside of us. And it's very hard to measure. Anybody ever go to the doctor and you got pain and the doctor says, when did it start hurting? And you're like... <laughs> it didn't start hurting until it was like a 10. And you scream and it can't stand it anymore. And a lot of times we don't see the results and the consequences of our wrongdoing until it just gets bad. And then we scream out and, and realize we're going under. But without the Spirit of God and without these everyday acts of obedience, being led by the Spirit, some things we do wrong will go unnoticed. You won't even know it. And the next thing you are, next thing that happened is that you're in a bind. And so if we could use this scripture uh, in a way that if we start doing what's right, and of course that comes by the Spirit, it comes by the Word of God. You, you have to hear something to be able to do it. But how many times you need to hear it? It takes an act of obedience, a willingness and a love for God because he knows best to step in that. And I'm telling you, then something begins to happen on the inside of us. 1 Peter 1, 14. As obedient children, obedience, obedience is big. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former less, lust, as in ignorance. In other words, even as children of God, we can begin to form and conduct our lives back to the place we started from or we came out of. If we yield our bodies to sin, it takes our mind with it. If we yield our bodies to God, we ride and become like him. You understand, if coming to this church changes people. Being in the right places at the right time changes people. 
Y'all with me? Yeah. Being, being in the presence of God, being with the right people, it has a, a, thing, it has a lot to do with our conduct. I've, I've talked to people that say, man, I've, I've been reading my word and I ain't getting nothing out of it. I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm not getting nothing out of it. So they quit. And once they quit, they backslide. And they thought they were not getting anything out of it. No, it was keeping them. I've heard people say over the years, you know, I come to church and I'm just not getting anything anymore. So they leave. And then they backslide. And then you talk to them years later. They, this is what they say. You know, the best years of my life is when I was in church. And people don't understand their conduct is connected with change. Behaviors are connected with change. When you know to do right and you don't do it, <laughs> you, you're supposed to have some conduct. It's supposed to be a, a behavior. You're supposed to do something, and if you don't, you understand nothing happens. Are y'all getting anything out of this? The Christian life is not all about studying, reading, acquiring information, gathering information. I mean, because you could do that your whole Christian life and never transform. You have to do something with what you're getting. And I think the thrill most of the time in church is to hear it. But to do it, that's going to take faith. That's going to take some effort. That's going to be some responsibility on our side. And so rather than go, rather than stepping out and allowing God to change us, we just sit and listen. And just hope a magic wand is going to come along and we're just going to be changed. It will never happen. You have got to have an act of obedience. That's why we have these altar calls. I hear people all the time say, man, when I made that altar call, my life changed. And then they kind of fall right back because they never acted on the word of God again. They heard it. They said it was nice. It was all fluffy. It had gave them hope, but they never stepped into it. I'm telling you, your acts of obedience will bring change and transformation into your life. Yes. Jesus needed a body. His sacrifice was, Father, give me a, give me a body. Just give me a body. Just give me a body. How many of y'all know we've never, we wouldn't be here talking about Jesus had not he got a body. And when he got that body, he fulfilled the will of God. Because his body took his mind, his spirit, his emotions, the father's plan, everywhere he needed to go. And he did it all right because he had a body. He presented his body, his whole self, holy and acceptable to the Lord. 1 Peter 1.22 said, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love. Purified your souls. That has a change. By obeying the truth. Ephesians 4.22. That you put off concerning the form of conduct. Why would you put off conduct? Because conduct affects you. <laughs> you understand, if you leave here and go in the club, you're going to be affected. And then you start putting yourself in places, you're going to be, it's going to affect your mind. 
So our conduct and behavior does affect us. That's just the point. We know if we can get it in our, the fullness of our mind and our inner being. We know if we get it there, we know that things can change. But I'm trying to tell you, your conduct and behavior in everything you do has something to do with your transformation. There's nobody getting excited yet. Your conduct can make you more corrupt or more like Christ. You, you can come out of a service like this and go straight to the club or go straight to the Internet with some filth. You understand, it's going to connect you to corruption or it's going to connect you to Christ. Our conduct has something to do with our transformation. I'm trying to make us all a doer of the word. It, the, you know, somebody told me the other day, you know, churches are so fat. They got so much. They don't have nothing if they're not using it. I don't see people that, that have been listening to the word, sitting under the word for years and years and years as fat. As far as I'm concerned, they're skinny. They're not doing nothing. They're poor because they never acted on the word. When you act on the word, then something begins to happen. Somebody say act on the word. This is, what, this is what Hebrews 5, I kind of got ahead of myself. Therefore, when he came, Jesus, into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. So that, that right there tells me there's a connection to our maneuverability, mobileness in our body to change. Don't tell me actions don't affect you. Don't tell me places you go don't affect you. And a lot of immature Christians will say this. Well, well I can be around those people and it, it doesn't affect me. I remember a long time ago I was counseling somebody. And, of course, the, the uh, wife and the husband, they scream and holler at each other constantly. And then they get over it. They forgive each other. And then they do it again. And I remember the husband telling me, it really doesn't affect us. Really? It will affect you. I don't care. You may not sense it. You may not be uh, feeling it. You may not feel the consequences of it, but that's not good. Your conduct, you understand, good conduct, obedience to the Lord will begin to purge us. It's something God does on the inside of us when we just step out into what he said. It's even hard to explain, but I'm about to do it. The word to prove means dakamazo, dakamazo. That's what it, and, and really this word means so much, we don't have, prove can't really explain to us what the Bible is really, or what the Spirit of God is really wanting to say and to do in here. So it, it has a big Meaning, and so I'm going to tell you what it is, to prove. That means to prove by testing. So if we have a motor car, a race car, to prove it or to test it, we got to get it out on the track. Or you can call it what you want. You can speculate about what it can do and how fast it can go, but it hadn't been proven. 
That's all speculation. It all sounds good, but until you put it out on the track and see what it's, and how it runs, you will never know. So it's to prove by texting, test, testing, to examine, to interpret, to discern, to demonstrate, to judge, to approve, and to know. That, I'm going to say it again. This is what the word prove means. It means to test, to examine, to interpret, to discern, to demonstrate, to judge, to approve, and to know or to experience. And so what I did, I broke all those words up into three categories. You ready for this? This is the way you prove the word of God. First, you recognize it as truth. You just have to see that it's true. Now, what we're trying to prove is the will of God. But we first need to prove it to ourselves. And you will never know the will of God until you act in obedience in what he's spoken. And the first thing we do to begin to transform is when the word comes, is recognize it, this is truth. The word of God is true. It has a reality to follow it. It has an abundance of life behind it. The second thing is, it, it will demonstrate the truth. Okay? That's what the will of God, if you prove it, if you step into it, if you do these acts of obedience, first of all, you recognize it. Once you recognize it's truth, and this is just by faith, then you need to demonstrate it. Y'all with me? It needs to be demonstrated so you can see it works. And you can see it's the will of God, and then everybody else can see it works, and it's the will of God. And the third category is, is then once we see it works, once we see it's been proved, we start to endorse it. We're in agreement with it. This works, and there's no backing up after that. But we have got to prove that which is good, acceptable, and pleasing to God. And so here we go. Y'all ready? God's will is good. <laughs> now I'm going to get you the reality of this. God's will, good. God's will, good. Yeah. It's not hard. It's good. Might be a little difficult to things up here, but it's good. God's will also, it pleases him. Maybe not you, maybe not others, but it pleases him. Now, that's, that's a main ingredient right here to transformation, that the word of God is his will, and it's, it pleases him when we become that word. Come on, somebody. It ain't about pleasing us. It's not about pleasing anybody Else, It's not about pleasing the word. That's why I started out this whole message with we're not here to please the world. We're here to please the Father. Yeah, yeah. And when Jesus went to that lady at the well and she had a big problem, he told his disciples he was hungry. That was a spiritual talk. They were hungry. He was hungry. So they ran to Popeye's. And they came back with fried chicken. Watch how many people go to Popeye's. They're going to act on that word. Brown's fried chicken. They're going to act on that word. 
So they came back with the Popeye's fried chicken and the beans and the rice and, oh, my God, the biscuits. <laughs> and they walk up to Jesus and say, Jesus, we got the Popeye's chicken. You said you were hungry. Let's eat. He said, my food is to do the will of the one that sent me and finish the work. And when I read that scripture this morning, I, I, I mean, I saw that the will of God needs to be your food. It needs to be above everything else. It needs to transcend. It needs to ride above everything you touch. Everything you hear is just to do the will of God. Yes. When I preach my messages and I get corrected on the front row and some snicker, it doesn't bother me. It really doesn't bother me. And when I'm all done, it doesn't matter who comes to the altar. It doesn't matter how you respond or how you say amen or whether you cry or whether you laugh because I ain't trying to please you. I'm trying to please my father. And that once you get to that place, there's something powerful about your life. All you want to do is please the father. You quit, you quit fighting with your wife. You quit fighting with everybody. It's no longer about you. Just the will of the Father. I just want to do the will of the Father. I just want to please the Father. I don't want to please myself. Oh, gee, here we go. That's a big hurdle we got to get over. Well, I, I mean, what about me? It ain't about us. It ain't about us. Every book in Christian shelves and stores today, every song that's being sung today, it's all about I, 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 I. It ain't about us. It's about fulfilling his will on your life. That's what it's all about. And as soon as we work towards that place, he's good. His will is good. His will is pleasing to him. What about me? It ain't about you, Sister Lou. It ain't about you. And listen, everything's being catered to people today. Because we're Americans. What about me? Entitlement? What, what about? It's about his will. It's about his will being done in your life. It's about the mandate, as Kevin said. What, what's the mandate? What's your commission? What's your assignment? That's what it's about. It's about the will of God. It's all about the will of God. The will is good. We ate at walk-ons the other day. It was good. <laughs> and there's still people in church. They still think sin is good because it is pleasurable. That, you know, and I want to do good for God, I want to please God, but I'm always being pulled over here. Not me. God's will is good. There, there's, no, there's no comparison to what I want and what he wants for me. There, there's no comparison, my will and his will. We, we need, you understand, his will is good. It pleases him, and then it says it's perfect. That means it's whole. That means it's complete. His will. 
Y'all going to stick with me a few minutes. Now, this is the beauty. You got to see this. I found in my walk with the Lord, it's not about direction. It's not about every little choice in life. And that's where we get hung up. Lord, what to do? And, and that, that, that's in everything, Lord, what to do? Because we don't want to mess up. Isn't that right? We don't want to mess up. But the Lord showed me what his will was, and I don't think y'all ready for this. It's in the scripture. What is his will? Lord, am, am I supposed to marry Toby? <laughs> am I supposed to marry Jane? Am I supposed to be a pastor or a boat pilot? Am I supposed to work at the plant or on the plantation? That's how we operate. But I've learned in my life, the word of God is working in me, and it's really not in the specifics or the details. It's very general. And you know us, we, we want to make a choice. I'm going to explain it. Just hold on. Because it's always stop and go. It's always a crossroad. It's always left or right. It's always go, stop. Isn't it? And that's not how God works. Now, he will give you direction. I've sought the Lord at times. Nothing. He wants us to use wisdom. That's why he wrote Proverbs. Fear the Lord. Just fear the Lord. And that's the beginning of wisdom. And so oftentimes, my leadings, my promptings, my goings and my comings come from principles and practices and the spirit and good godly counsel and the wisdom of God. And I find myself just maneuvering through life like that. It's not stop and start. I know things, so in the know, there's a flow. I've attained these things growing up in the Lord, so it doesn't happen overnight. Are y'all with me? Or you'll find yourself always getting somebody to pray for you like, I don't know what to do. Do I go left? Do I go right? Do I take this job or do I take that job? You're not going to find none of that in the Bible. And this is, this, this is something beautiful. Oh, my God. This is something so Beautiful, beautiful. I'm talking about the will of God. Now read this with me. With me, Second Thessalonians four three. Wait, wait, wait. Can we have a drum roll? Everybody go. It's gonna be beautiful. Are you ready for this? It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be beautiful. All right, here we go. Put it up there. Second Thessalonians. 4-3. 2 Thessalonians 4-3. Oh, 1 Thessalonians. Try that. Try that. Drum roll, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. Drum roll, drum roll. I hope this is the right scripture. because For this is the will of God, your sanctification. 
Some of y'all ain't got it yet. That's the will of God, your sanctification, the process that you get in. What you start, you stay in it. That's where the will of God comes. It doesn't come from every day, turn left, turn right. It doesn't come from direction and somebody always prophesying over you. Your life assignment, your life mandate, your life principles and practices will come out of your sanctification. Oh, Gee, I thought it was going to be something exciting. That ain't fun at all. That means I got to be in a process. That means God's just not going to tell me everything over the years through my sanctification. He's just putting things in me. That's why you see Christians just fall away all the time. They're always looking for information just to make the next step. And they're not interested in the real will of God to be sanctified. To be sanctified and become like Jesus Christ. They just want, they want shortcuts. They want people to prophesy over them and we do that. We're not going to stop doing that. And they run here and they run there. And they want ministry and they want power. But they're not sanctified. The will of God is in your sanctification. That's what it says. The will of God is in your sanctification. I don't know what to do. Just keep stepping into those acts of obedience. Yeah. Is this your church? Stay here. It's part of your sanctification. If you have a mentor in this church, when it gets rough, don't run away from them. You That's part of the sanctification. You know, if, if, you, if, if you don't need a mentor, you got it all right. And we know you don't. <laughs> And that puts you in pride, and that's the stumble right there. And pride will put you out of the sanctification process. Isn't that beautiful mm -hmm. that the Lord just doesn't want a bunch of robots and telling us every detail and every specific thing that we actually have to commit our ways to him, totally trust him, and then things come to pass over time. Isn't that so good? It, it, almost, it almost seems like this ain't miraculous and supernatural. No, this is very miraculous and supernatural. This is the transformation. We get the word transformation from, uh, you know, the word metamorphosis. We change from a worm to, worm to something beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? The will of God is in our sanctification. People run here and they run there and they're looking for a voice here and they're looking for a voice there rather than just plant themselves in a good church around sound people that will check them, that will actually rebuke them because they love them and correct them and instruct them in righteousness. And those people that I've been with over the years, they stayed in this sanctification process. And believe me, you'll fight it. Believe me, you'll fight it. You'll hate me. You'll hate my leadership. That's all part of it. Because we need to change. And change hurts. Change is challenging. The will of God is in your sanctification. You know, people get married too quick. They think they're sanctified. They don't know what to look for in a wife. If you would have just stayed in the sanctification process a little while longer, God would have changed you 
and then you know the way he changed you and you can see the new attributes and the character that you have and now you can look for that. But we ran, ran on a prophecy or something somebody said. Next thing you know, we just got connected and it's muddy and it's difficult and it's hard, but it's not too late. Just get back in the sanctification process. Is this good? Yeah. And this is what happens. See, maturity is where we need to be. We need to be growing to maturity. I remember years ago, we stole some candy from Dalboards on Railroad Avenue. We would ride our bikes down there. When nobody was looking, we'd just grab the candy, put it in our pockets, and we would just take off. And then we'd get somewhere, and we'd open that candy, and we'd start eating it because it was so sweet. And there was something about stealing it then. It just made it exciting. It's like, and it was so sweet. You know what I'm talking about? Today, if I steal something and then eat it, if it's candy, it's bitter. It's not sweet. Why? Because I've changed. I've changed. I've changed. And sin today has a yuck. It's not, it's not like... Sh- I don't know. I just can't help myself. And you always just fall in that way. Well, you, you need to stay in the sanctification process. It's by the Holy Ghost and the Word of God. And if you get tired, if you get, uh, you know, you get weary, if you, you know, you don't see things happening too quick or too fast, you need to get some patience. Knowing that your faith is being tested. You're being tested right where you are. So don't fail the test. Because if you mix some patience with that, you won't lack anything and you'll become complete. You'll go through the sanctification process. Are you here? Yes. You know, growing up in the Lord, I've watched, I watch mature people in the Lord over the years. Can I kind of tell out on myself? It looks like their lives were boring. It, it just really did. Like they're not having any fun. Like they're missing out. There's just so much word conscious. This is when I was young. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I want that. But I stayed in the sanctification process. And now that I'm going to that, people look at me like, you don't even have a life. You, 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 don't, you don't do this. You don't do that. You don't have your hands in that. You're not running after money. You're not worried about money. And so people are th- thinking sometimes that you're really missing out. And then when I look at them and see where they are, I'm thinking, you really missing out because you don't know how good the will of God really is. And you've been sprinkling compromise, sprinkling the flesh and your way all over the will of God so you never taste the goodness of the will of God. And you never actually get in the land that's so sweet and so flowing with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. It's called growing up. Growing up. Physically, I'm grown up. I'm not getting any taller. I'm not going to grow a third ear. I got both. I grew up. And so in, in that way that I'm speaking, I'm complete and I'm whole. But, of course, there's other areas of my life 
that I'm not. But we're growing up into Christ. And so I'm telling you, the will of God is good. That's not levels of mature uh, Christian walk. It's the quality of the will of God. It's good. You won't want anything else once you taste of the will of God, the way the will of God begins to unfold in your life. You will be misunderstood. You will be looked at. Jesus was in the will of God, his father. And this is what he thought the whole time. This is good. When he was rejected, this is good. When people called him demons, I'm pleasing the Father. And the, this perfection of maturity comes, you start to get satisfied just with pleasing God. Nothing else matters anymore. People's attitudes, people, that's how Jesus could just go on and was never affected by everybody coming against him. He was never affected by it. He kissed Judas. The disciples fell asleep on him. And all he wanted to do was fulfill the will of God. I'm telling you, there's so much, so many resources, so much grace, so much anointing, so much power in getting to the place that all you want to do is fulfill the will of God. And you're not being legalistic. You're not walking down a road that nobody ever walked down before. You just came to the place in your life. You could do it at a young age. You just want to fulfill the plan of God on your life. See what I got left here. God is good. The reason we don't want to be conformed to the world is because the world's confused. I don't care how they dress it. I don't care how intelligent they look. I don't care how much money they have. If they're in the world, they're confused. And the only way they'll get out of their confusion if we just do what God has called us to do. Acts of obedience. Stepping out into the will that God has for our life. This church is the will of God. This church is the will of God. And I would pray that whatever your ministry was, you'd have no doubt about it. But you know what? You will doubt things because we measure by the natural. We're, we're measuring things by how we see things. But we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We walk by the Spirit. Amen. The will of God is more important than the money. To Jesus, it was more important than natural food. And the will of God brought him to the lady at the well, which was a no-no. First of all, she's a lady, now she, and she's a Samaritan. But the will of God brought him right there. And he just began to speak life to that lady. Next thing you know, she dropped a pot. 
She went to tell everybody about this man she met that knew all about her. He was in the perfect will of God, of his father. That's where the power is. That's where the real results are. But you won't be able to always measure the results in the natural. The will of God. You know, when you're doing what you know God has called you to do, everybody could say no about it, and you'd hug them and love them and never be moved by it. That's why I know some people are not in the will of God because I'll challenge them. You sure God called you to that? Well, I know God called me to that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what the will of God is. Full of love. It's full of love. It is full of love. The will of God is full of the Father's love. It's just full of the Father's love. You take, I mean, it's just nothing can hurt you. You're almost like invincible, just full of the love of God. And there's no, nothing you have to do. I gotta go to church, I gotta read the word, I gotta pray. It's nothing hard. Because you're just doing it all unto the Father. Isn't this good? Isn't that beautiful? We don't have to struggle, we don't have to strive, just take the steps of faith, acts of obedience. God told me to do the Bible school this year. I didn't like what I saw. But that's my natural. That's not right. I apologize. But that's what he told me to do. So it shouldn't have anything to do with the natural. All to do was fulfilling his, his desire. The Bible says that we can prove what is. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. And he who comes to God must believe that he is. What is he? What is his nature? What is his will? What is his plan? What is he up to? And so, man, when we get in on the what is, and it all comes from the Father, then we're ahead of the whole planet. I mean, we're in the fast lane. Come on, somebody. What is? Lord, come on. Talk to me. I'm not looking for a message to impress anybody. I want to fulfill the will of God. I don't have to get somebody saved today. I want to. You know what I mean? I don't have to preach. I want to. I don't have to pray. I want to. I don't, want, I don't have to help you. I want to help you. You understand? Everything just changes when you get into pleasing God and not yourself. So the first thing you do is take these acts of obedience. Recognize what he's telling you is true, then have it tested. Step out into obedience. Once you do that, you're going to begin to see the demonstration of that act of obedience. You'll get a witness on the inside. Father, you with me on this. You in this with me. And I'm telling you, after you practice these acts of obedience, because God has called you to do something, the next thing, your trust level in, in the Lord is going to go like sky high because you're hearing from God. And now his voice and his will means more to you than anything else on the planet. 
I hope y'all got this. Present your body a living sacrifice. I see your body is all of you. And then it says, you know, you'll experience the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So presenting yourself to God has a lot to do with this end result. It has all to do with this transformation. Just present yourself to God. Just give yourself to God. And I feel an anointing here. <laughs> Something's good's coming your way. Get ready. I know a couple of things, but there's some things I don't know. You'll tell me about. Some good things coming your way because you've been faithful. You too. You little cute thing. <laughs> and what I mean about cute is clean. It's just clean. Just clean. Shake it abaka soko lora bekete daramamande sasa. Don't be running for a thrill. The thrill is pleasing the Father. Don't be running for a sparkle or a spark or the spectacular. It's all in the Father. It all comes through Jesus Christ by the Spirit. I'm telling you, we are on to something in this church. You know, I, I prayed the other morning. I said, Lord, all I want is a bunch of fanatical preachers that know the Word of God or led by the Spirit, just people to shout from the rooftops. That's what I want. And... Uh, Next thing I know, we get telephone calls, and I didn't even know this, but Kevin's preaching a funeral Monday, and Leslie's preaching in the, in the, other, the other funeral right next to him. And they're not looking for life amongst the dead. They're bringing life. That's what, and so that just encouraged me. It just encouraged me. Come on, step out. Tell your neighbor I'm going to step out. I'm going to step out. Don't, don't be ashamed of the gospel of his name. It's to power unto salvation. This, this, is, this is not some ludicrous, this is not some uh, fallacy, this is not some fairy tale uh, ministry or hope that we have. This is the power of God. He's moving in and through us. And I'm telling you, I can't wait till I get the testimonies next week from this service. I hope somebody's just getting cranked up like, you know what? And you know what? We're going to enjoy life, but we're going to enjoy him. You know, I want to go to the beach. You know why I go to the beach? I, I want to go to just do the beach thing to get away, but I end up getting with the Lord. Every way I try to get away, I think I'm getting away. If, if, if I get away without the Lord, it's not a good getaway. You understand? If I get wherever I go, I just want the, the Lord to be there. And, and when I'm there in the place with him, it's like no nonsense. I'm not going to do something stupid. I'm not going to get in sin. I'm not going to put my eyes on something. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to rub shoulders with the world and, you know, want something they have and all that chaos. I'm not even looking for that. I just want to please the Father in Jesus' name. I think I've milked that cow long enough. <laughs> <laughs>
I feel the anointing in here. If you got to go, you got to go. But I think there's something here for people. It's a touch from the hand of the Lord. It's a touch to stimulate, activate, mobilize. There's a hunger here. There's always been a hunger in this house to please the Father. And many of us have struggled. How do you do that? How do you, how you get there? You just present your body as a living sacrifice. Wherever you go, he goes. Wherever you go, you acknowledge him. And as long as you're acknowledging him, he's going to set your path straight. As long as you don't lean on your own understanding, he's going to set your path straight. He's going to order your steps. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. When you get in the will of God, negativity leaves. Gentleness comes like a cover. Peace begins to possess you. When you get in the will of God, we're in and out, we're in and out, we're in and out, we're in and out, we're in and out. Need to get in, stay in. If you're here today and you heard something, Maybe there's an area of your life you hadn't submitted to the Lord. Maybe there's some secret sin. Maybe there's some offense. Maybe there's some bickering going on. You know, when we don't do what's right, we don't like ourselves. When we do the wrong thing, we're convicted. Thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Spirit that I'm convicted by my wrongdoing. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not left to myself. He comes to help me. And if you're not careful, if you don't act on that conviction, the enemy comes right in behind that holy, compassionate, godly, righteous conviction. And what he'll do is twist it because you didn't act. And all of a sudden, you'll fall under this cloud of this evil tactic of the deceiver, and the cloud is condemnation. Anybody ever fall under that? God's saying, come this way, and you just keep grieving him. His heart is you, and, you, and his best for you. If you're here this morning and you under that, not a cloud, but you under that powerful, compassionate, helping conviction of the Holy Spirit to get lodged in the will of the Father like you've never been before. Just stand up right where you are. See, that's the Holy Ghost. You mean well, I know you do. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm standing too, okay? I'm up. I'm up. I want the will of the Father to be more important to me than anything else. And Jesus is helping me. The Holy Spirit is helping me too. We'll make a better impact on family, spouses, children, community, city, nations. 
This is how great men and women of God were called. This is where they...